You're listening to The Jazz Session with Jason Crane. Since 2007, the original jazz interview podcast. Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. This is episode 513 for March 11th, 2020. On today's show, trombonist Nick Finzer. You're listening to the first episode of the show recorded from the Jazz Session's new home base in Tucson, Arizona. My partner Owen and I moved here last week after three very long days in a budget rental truck. Uh, It was cool, though. It was a fun drive. We did it in three days. Last time I moved here, I did it in two days, one of which was 21 hours long. But then again, I was 20 years old. And you can do things like that when you're 20. In any case, we're super excited to be in a new place and to have a chance to try new things. And one of the things I'd like to try is creating a show namely this one, that funds itself and brings in enough to support my living. Will you help me? You can become a member today for 5 or $10 a month at thejazzsession.com slash join. Thanks. Nick Finzer, welcome to the Jazz Session. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jason. Uh, The new album is called Cast of Characters, and this is an album that deals with influence, but one thing I like about it is that I feel like it's also kind of maybe poking the bubble of influence with a pin a little bit to show that, you know, yes, it's a real thing in artistic lives, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the determining thing that, you know, we go on to become our own creative entities. Is that is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. It's uh, Yeah, I, I kind of think it's summed up kind of by the last, the title of the last track in the album is just, we're more than the sum of our influences, meaning that's what this whole album was about, is kind of all these different people that come in and out of your life and kind of different parts of the journey and how those relationships shift and change and that by the end, you're, you still are, have to make those decisions and you are the one that has to, you know, move move the needle forward you know and you have to um take all of those influences and kind of make your own choices and and whether it applies to an artistic endeavor or or something else you know i just 
I was reflecting on like all of these people and just how, you know, you get a lot of great information from them, but then ultimately it's still always back on you to kind of make those uh, informed decisions based on that information or based on those experiences that people share with you. So that's kind of what transformed the music in this, in this, I guess it's a album slash kind of mini suite of connected pieces that are um, on this record. talk about kind of the chronology of this record had you thought of that concept and then you wrote music around it did did the concept help kind of unite the the interstitial bits of the music can you talk a little bit about how you put it together from concept to reality for this project i i had decided beforehand that i wanted to do something different to challenge me and the band and to do something just a little bit different than you know, just writing a bunch of tunes and throwing them on a record or something like that. And so I wanted to compose something that was all connected, but I wanted it to not sound all the same, but I did want it to sound connected. So anyway, I took some techniques <clears throat> that I borrowed from learning uh, through a, a teacher from Eastman named Dave Ravello, and he used to share a lot about Bob Brookmeyer and Brookmeyer's kind of techniques of kind of deconstruction deconstructing things and flipping them around and so when i i had the idea that i wanted to do this kind of characters or people kind of in a vague way not sure exactly what it was so i made like a list of like either people or archetypes of people and then kind of started to write different themes and ideas that maybe were related to the mood of what i felt like when i thought about that person or what what it that you know whatever emotion came up about about that type of person perhaps and then started doing that and then wrote a ton of stuff and then kind of whittled it down to the ones that kind of made the most sense to me as uh as as being strong <laughs> and then uh putting it together into the into this record and i knew that i wanted to have kind of these main pieces and then kind of these pieces that went kind of in between these character pieces and so i wanted it to also be able to be consumed like in bite-sized chunks like one thing at a time that could stand alone but also um, putting it into a flow where you could listen from start to finish and it would have kind of an arc that um, someone could appreciate if they're a person that appreciates long form things because, you know, not everybody wants to listen for an hour. So I wanted to make sure that I could uh, appeal to both uh, types of listeners. Will you tell me more about how to make things sound connected without making them sound the same? If you listen to the first 10 seconds of the record, uh, the first track is a sorcerer is a myth and there's this piano opening
that piano opening has uh, basically that phrase is the genesis for the whole record. So um, basically taking these two triads and then taking them and the relationship between the notes and kind of flipping the bass note and flipping the sound or like, what does it sound like if I take the, this part of this chord and put it over a different bass note or just try, trying to basically keep some element of that original phrase and then take other elements and put it on top or below or flip it upside down. Um, so it kind of keeps, it keeps it somewhat connected because there's always these particular sounds that, will come back, you know, after maybe a few tracks, you'll hear something that reminds you of a previous track where, you know, maybe it was, for example, you know, it's two triads. It's a D, D major triad and a D flat triad. So you might hear the D triad on top and the D flat triad in one track. And then in the next, you might hear it flipped and have the D triad on the bottom, the D flat triad on the top, not to get, you know, too much in the weeds, but uh, uh, just kind of doing things like that, where you're flipping things around, but keeping you know, the pitch is the same and it just, it, it keeps the kind of a character. I wasn't sure if it was going to work or not, but then when I had some people listen to it and they said, man, it sounds like all, these, all, all these things are connected, but they don't sound the same. Well, at least a few people said that. And so I was like, Oh, maybe it was, maybe it was successful. <laughs> but, uh, I thought, uh, but anyway, that was the premise was to try to just find as many in the, in the early process of writing, it was just finding as many different ways to combine these sounds as I could just you know i just use a giant piece of staff paper like a big like uh, most people use it to like write a big band chart but i just had like you know 50 different ideas in different places on it that were like just kind of puzzle pieces you know like just kind of idea 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 just kind of splattered all over and then it and then kind of taking them from that initial thing and turning them into a into a completed tune or piece session has been around for a good long while now, 13 years, as a matter of fact, since the very earliest days of podcasting, when you could count the total number of podcasts on both your hands. The Jazz Session was the very first jazz interview podcast, it's the longest running one in existence, and there are about 50 people who support the show right now. I think that we can easily get that number significantly higher, at least into the triple digits. I'm going to be thinking about some sort of pledge drivey thing coming up, but right now I'm just appealing to you and to your common humanity that you become a member of this show. Clearly you're listening to it, clearly you value it. All I need for you to do now is convert those feelings of affection into actual money. I know it's kind of a mercenary thing, but it's the world we live in. If you like what I do here on The Jazz Session, go to thejazzsession.com slash join and become a member today for five or ten bucks a month. You get bonus episodes, early access to every show, and more. Thanks so much for supporting this show by listening. Now just convert that support into membership and everybody wins. Back to the show.
have a luxury that is not afforded to all that many composers these days, which is that you have a band that's been together for a long time, and you can really write for the musicians that you have. So first of all, will you tell us who's on this record, and then will you talk a little bit about what it's like to write for people that you know so well? For sure. Yeah, it's Jimmy McBride on the drums, Dave Barron on the bass, Glenn Zaleski on the piano, uh, Alex Wintz at the guitar, and... Lucas Pino, who's playing tenor saxophone and bass clarinet. And, you know, we've definitely, we've been playing together for a while since, um, 2013 or so, 2012, something like that. Um, some of us, Dave and I went to Eastman together before that and Juilliard with some of the other guys. And the, I guess you can push people, uh, in a way that you, that they maybe won't expect when you know them better, you know, their musicianship better, you know, kind of their comfort zone. And then you can either intentionally put them in their comfort zone or put them out of their comfort zone. Um, I, I guess I kind of took some influence in this way from playing with uh, Ryan Truesdale's Gil Evans project and kind of getting to know the orchestration that Gil Evans would use. And sometimes, you know, Gil would want things to sound strained or want it to sound uncomfortable or put it into a register that's not comfortable on that instrument. And it's not that he did it to be mean or something. It's just like he wanted to put that player in a position to have to try harder or to have to concentrate more. And um, so for me, I took some influence from, from that, just thinking about, you know, if I put some, make something super easy for this person, like they might just go on autopilot. So I want to make sure that it's somewhat interesting and challenging and musically, uh, musically interesting, I guess is the, best way to put it and then from there getting to know what they're good at and how we can blend and everything like that but also you just kind of get a second nature and instinct of how you know they understand the type of movement that i want in a piece and that like dynamics are important to me and may having the music have direction is important to me and that I don't really want to answer their questions and i want them to just put their own personality into it and they someone asked me like you know, how do you want me to play this? My answer is usually, I'd like you to play it how it occurs to you to play it. I don't, I feel like, you know, everyone's ideas are most likely more interesting than whatever I intended because I'm only just one brain. So I like everyone's, everyone's input and everyone's interpretation to kind of come together. But um, playing together for so long, we've been able to kind of get on the same page without having to talk you know so it's been really really nice and i feel very fortunate that these guys have been able to make time you know it's definitely that they're making time to you know play and stay in this band and um i just it's really really special to me and i'm really appreciative that they take the time to do that and it's you know it's been a special thing to get to you know develop this slowly over time and it's gotten to the point where now i know pretty much I can imagine exactly how it's going to sound based on how they, these guys will interpret things, which is makes things uh, easy for me actually to bring in and we can just read it and kind of right away, we know, you know what it's supposed to be. So it's been a nice thing. You mentioned in there that you wanted the music to have direction. Will you tell me a little more about that? I guess in quote unquote jam session jazz, things tend to get a little monotonous. So I, not that I don't also appreciate that style of playing or because of course I do, but 
in terms of my music, I just, I always want, and I say this to my students all the time, the music either needs to be going somewhere or coming from somewhere at every moment. And so that's something that I think a lot of really great players have, you know, there's the, just a direction and great composers too. There's always direction to the piece, meaning um, it's not necessarily stagnant. Something's either growing or dying or being developed it's it's moving it's, it's it's constantly in motion it's not just um a, you know a cycle just kind of going around and around or just kind of waiting for inspiration i don't know i guess i don't i'm not sure how to describe the direction any more than i'm always saying like okay we're aiming to get to this place like we are going to arrive at the end of this solo or we're going to arrive at the end of this phrase this should be you know so i'm always just trying to give the band kind of end end goals in mind and kind of let them choose their own adventure of how we get there. And that's kind of how I, I interpret it in terms of the direction. So like, Oh, we'll just, once we get here, kind of play free for until whenever. And then the goal is to get to this place. And so sometimes uh, it's written or sometimes it's improvised, but um, just always trying to just let it, let the music kind of do what it wants to do to get to those goal places, but allowing the band and the musicians to, put their own put their own two cents into it is kind of uh, what I mean by direction I suppose So if we look at cast of characters, we of course there's the idea of direction inside the pieces, but is there an idea of direction in the album as a whole? You've already talked about the ways in which you tried to make it a connected work, but is there a directional mm-hmm. sense to it as well? Yeah, I feel like um, I wanted it to kind of ramp up at the beginning and then it kind of the first, I don't know half of it kind of is the ramping up and then it kind of comes back down on the other side um, of the record. There's kind of um, a little bit of a direction and flow to the non-character pieces. If you kind of read those titles, uh, you know, out of in order, they kind of tell a little bit of a story of kind of being made aware of something you love, you know, being influenced by it and then trying to get closer and closer to that and evolving your perception along the way of what that thing is, or like what, what the magic is inside of, of that in terms of music. I mean, like you hear somebody that amazes you, you're like, how can they possibly do that thing? And then you start to learn more, you get to meet them, you start to hang out with those people, 
hear stories about that person that maybe isn't around anymore and you just learn more and more and more and becomes a little bit demystified you know as you learn more and get deeper into it and then you have to evolve to keep that level of um specialness i guess is kind of to stay inspired about it you have to you have to evolve at least in my experience to keep that spark and that thing that keeps driving you to be inspired by that even though it's not really mystical anymore you realize oh yeah he was just playing this or he was just doing doing this or that but uh, there's something about the more deep you get into or the technical side or into the understanding of something where then you have to find the re- the magic that goes beyond just the notes and the rhythms and, and how you how you evolve to think that way i guess is kind of what i'm thinking of in terms of how it evolves through through this album and yeah i mean it's just something i've been thinking about myself and so it's kind of also a little selfishly self selfishly self-reflective it sounds a lot like that I think it's Newtonian idea of unweaving the rainbow, whether figuring out how a rainbow is made makes it more or less amazing. And, you know, there was an argument back in the day that if we know how these things are, are made, we lose the the magic. But then, you know, a lot of scientists pushed back and said that the, the magic can be contained in knowing about the, you know, the intricate and kind of incredible workings of of nature itself, you know, that it we can learn about something without its awe being diminished and that sounds like it has at right. least some relevance to this totally yeah that's exactly that's exactly a correlated uh, idea Let's take a moment to thank the folks who make the Jazz Session possible, starting with the members who support it, and also the Respect Sextet at respectsextet.com for the theme music, Dave Rabel for the logo, and Chuck Ingersoll for the voice of the intro. You can hire Chuck at hearchucknow.com. Follow the Jazz Session on Twitter at jazzsesh, J-A-Z-Z-S-E-S-H, and on Instagram at the Jazz Session. Right now I'm posting a photo every weekday from the more than 20 years of shows and interviews I've done. Take a second right now to rate and review The Jazz Session on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It greatly improves my ability to reach new listeners. And if you'd like to keep up to date on my podcast, my poetry, and more, you can subscribe to my twice-monthly newsletter. Go to thejazzsession.com and click on the newsletter link. Now back to the show.
one thing I want to talk about, and sometimes it's a little challenging to do this in an audio medium, but I will at least say to people that if you go to thejazzsession.com, you can at the very least see the cover of this record. But the the artistic design of the record, uh, which is on your your own label, is uh, it's really wonderful. The the art is incredible, I think, and just the way it is so carefully laid out really speaks, I think, to it being something more than just a blowing session. Uh, you know, which is not to denigrate blowing sessions, but to suggest that this is more than that. So will you talk a little bit about the the art of this album, the the visual art? Definitely. So I had a just a vision of creating, you know, artwork that didn't look like any record that I had done before and that really just focused on creating characters and presenting them, you know, to the audience to be so that they remind people maybe of someone, but that they're able to kind of project their own ideas of who that someone might be so that they're specific enough that it gives you a suggestion of who it is, but general looking enough that they can, you know, that they're open to interpretation. Uh, so I found a great art graphic artist from Spain. Her name's Laura Rayero. I actually found her on Instagram, just kind of from surfing through and checking out different people and reaching out to different people and seeing if they'd be interested uh, in taking on this project because when somebody comes up to you and says, Hey, I have this vision of, you know, drawing these characters and the music's not done yet, but I'd like you to start working on these <laughs> things. You know, it's a little bit of like, who is this crazy person <laughs> messaging me on the internet? And so she luckily, uh, agreed and we kind of went back and forth and I just was like, I, I don't really want to tell you what to do, but these are the ideas of these people and these characters. And uh, I'd love to see what you can come up with. And, um, and so she did. And, you know, we just had a few, you know, revisions back and forth, but she kind of realized these, these characters. And then I wanted to present them in the package, you know, in a way that allowed people to see them up close and give people a reason maybe to, to want to have the package. And, you know, if it's just pictures of me, that's not really that interesting. So I thought if it's all just this art then maybe, you know, it would help people want to also have it because, I mean, I, I don't even have a CD player, but I would, it's nice to have the artwork that I can show people like, look at this, aren't these cool uh, characters and stuff like that. So um, it was, it was really fun to be able to put something together like that. Cause I hadn't, I hadn't delved into that side really of thinking about album art and how it was connected to the music in terms of, in this kind of way before. Uh, so that was pretty fun. And I was really grateful to, to Laura for, for doing that and making those and helping me get this, this project all the way together. Had Laura collaborated with a composer before? Did you find her because she'd done other album art or you just saw her art and, and like, no, I just saw her art in general. Yeah. There was no um, previous album stuff that she had done or anything like that. She was, she was just drawing characters, you know, and putting them on her Instagram and doing like animations and stuff like this. Um, And it wasn't, necessarily like someone she had done before i was just looking at people that did illustration and did you know character illustration and so that that's how i found her i mentioned that this came out on your own outside in music label and a lot of artists have music labels nowadays to release their music but you also are releasing music by other people will you mention some of the other folks uh, whose music you've put out sure um there's some coming out Soon, there's a great vocalist named Aubrey Johnson, whose record is coming out. Um, we are doing something with Peter and Will Anderson and Jimmy Cobb that's coming out later this year. 
uh, Roxy Koss, the tenor saxophone player, uh, Lucas Pino, who has a nonet. We've put out a couple of his records, and there's, I think, another one coming this year. Um, Paul Medzella, the baritone saxophonist from the Jazz Lincoln Center Orchestra, has a record out. Uh, but there's a lot of people doing stuff. We do about 30 to 40 albums uh, a year in the last couple of years. So it's been a growing, a growing thing, which has been pretty fun to see uh, come from me just putting out my first record on CD baby to uh, a full fledged kind of label here where we're trying to really um, help artists, you know, realize their visions and get it out into the world. Um, so yeah, we've been doing it kind of more seriously for the last three, I guess since 2016. So almost four years now, but um, yeah, it's been just a slow growth, but it's really um, starting to, to come to life now, which is exciting. What's your role when it comes to putting out the music of other people? Uh, well, what I generally tell people, artists, is I want someone to be doing their own thing at a high high level. And I don't really care what that thing is. It could be a crooner thing. It could be crazy experimental quasi-jazz. It could be straight ahead or it could be original music. Uh, kind of, to me, it just needs to fit into the umbrella that is now the jazz genre and focus on improvisation and it has to be produced well. Sometimes things that get recorded in home studios sometimes don't make the cut, but I just want somebody with a strong vision for whatever their vision is. It doesn't matter to me what, what that is. Just, I want it to be really strong, uh, strongly them, you know? So uh, my role is just, I, at this point I pass it along to my team first because I don't want to, you know, project my preferences. You know, I try to let other people have a say first that have, you know, maybe different interests than mine and then come together, you know, at some point to um, talk about it and make sure that it fits within this idea of it be having a strong voice and then um, going from there. So basically we just help, we help the artists by allowing them to keep almost all of the royalties and they keep hundred percent of their copyrights and publishing and that sort of stuff, because uh, I just wanted it to be a community to help artists realize their projects, how they wanted to after some experiences where I had to give up a little bit of control of my projects. I realized it wasn't until I had to do that, give up that control that I realized I wanted to keep it. So I tried to build this thing in order for artists to be able to retain that control and keep their vision at the center of the project. So Nick, coming up toward the end of the month, and if people are listening to this 
on or about when it's released. This is uh, the month of March in the year 2020, but coming up on the 26th in New York City and the 27th in Nashville are some chances for folks to hear this music live. Will you tell us about that? Definitely. Uh, we're playing at Birdland Theater on March 26th, and it's the most of the album band members. Um, we're playing this music uh, there, and then Lucas and I are going to go down to Nashville and play with a few other guys from nashville to play the music at rudy's jazz room there and then we're actually flying back up to the side door in connecticut the next night the 28th and doing uh, the music there with the full band from that record and so we're doing those three dates uh, to celebrate this music and get it out and be able to play it in its full form uh it's not the easiest music so it's really great to be able to have the guys that have put in the time in on the music already and to play it uh, all the way through and be able to create that arc for the audience in that live setting. So it's going to be really fun. And I can't wait to get that music. We've been uh, on the road previously uh, playing on the West coast, did some gigs in California and Arizona and Nevada. And so uh, it's going to be exciting to bring it back to New York. You kind of anticipated when you were describing the live performances, uh, my next question, which is, do you just play the album all the way through? Because that seems like it would be kind of a cool experience, both for you guys and for the listeners. Yeah, it would be cool. I think it would end up being way too long if we played it all the way through. <laughs> so um, I think I, I've had to kind of make many sets out of it, like how to how to connect it all together. but. You know, I've been toying with back and I go back and forth of the idea of like a long set where there's minimal breaks in between. That's just because I play, we play that way with an Anat Cohen's Tentet. We usually play without breaks for like, you know, 45 or 50 minutes of a set to really kind of create a flow. And it's really nice. And I think people enjoy that getting taken on that kind of journey. And so I've been, you know, toying with the idea of, how, how we can do that and connect all those pieces together. But it's also nice, you know, to connect and give people context of what this, these pieces are about. And especially when it's so cinematic and to describe the characters and allow them to like get inside it a little bit too. So I'm kind of going back and forth about what, what to do when we have the ability to do the full set, the full book. Um, so I haven't decided yet. So people are going to have to show up to find out exactly <laughs> what, what I sort out. this record just came out but you didn't just think of it it's been recorded and that kind of thing so that usually means that by the time i talk to someone their eyes are on whatever might be coming next and so i wanted to ask you is that is that the case for you are you already thinking about what you might do next yeah i'm kind of always thinking about what i might be doing next uh i have a couple of ideas a couple of things that are 
kind of half done already. You know, I wrote some music for a like a deck tet, like a 10 piece band that kind of has come in and out of life. There's that. I have a lot of music for a big band record. And then really the projects I've been most interested in to try to pursue from here is taking maybe a little bit of a detour. We've done five records with this band. And obviously I'm going to keep this band and keep playing with the band, but I might want to record some other things and then circle back in a project that combines, you know, like a jazz trio or quartet with uh, actually like a percussion ensemble. I've been always kind of interested in like modern 21st century percussion ensemble music, definitely a music nerd here, but uh, trying to combine those things together and see, see what new sounds and textures we might be able to discover, but keeping that jazz focus with the rhythm section in it. I'm kind of interested in to explore that and see where that goes. But um, the book for this band, you know, the sextet that we've made five records, you know, we've, done all those records and then we did a couple projects where we played all of Chick Corea's Now He Sings, Now He Sobs and then we did all of Herbie Hancock's Speak Like a Child and so we've done like a lot of things there's a lot of charts that in the book and I want to continue to play that music so it's going to keep on happening for sure but um, just wa- I want to try some other larger ensemble stuff just to see to see where it goes you know I'm curious mind <laughs> Yeah, and it's always it's always much easier to book very large bands too. So yeah, know, always. Just, you know, yeah, so I just, just keep logistically, growing. yeah, exactly. Then there'll be the orchestra piece, and then the orchestra with choir, and yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's the trajectory for all composers, right? <laughs> that's you just that's kinda exactly right. Go big or go home. <laughs> Oh, my guest on this show has been Nick Finzer. Uh, his new album on his own outside in music label is called Cast of Characters. It's it's really excellent, and I recommend it to all of your attention. Uh, Nick, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, I know I'm catching you kind of right before you you have to go and uh, and travel for some more gigs. So I really thank you for taking the time and wish you all the best and hope you'll come back. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jason. It's really great to reconnect with you. If you value what you just heard, become a member for five or ten bucks a month at thejazzsession.com slash join. Thanks to my guest this week, Nick Finzer. I have no idea who next week's guest will be. Well, I have an idea, but we just haven't quite gotten it booked yet. In any case, somebody will be here next week, and so will I, and I hope so will you. Until then, support live music whenever and wherever you can, and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session.
listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.